Here's the dates and the directors. Perfect. Hello, future people. It's me, Luke Kelly. And Anne Molin. Welcome to 96.5, the radio station that delivers you the best movie review. Okay. That's how you pronounce your last name? What? Molin? Yeah. Well, we think. (laughs) We discovered recently that the Swedish pronounce it Molin. Uh, But we used to pronounce it Molin when we didn't know. But now that we do know, we've been trying to switch back to Molin. Okay. It's semi-successful. Okay. I remember having this discussion, but just last week, I could have swore you were saying Molin. I probably was. <laughs> okay. I sort of switched between the two. Okay, so this past week was Classy Killers. Yes. And we watched Seven, uh, American Psycho, Silence of the Lambs, The Perfect Host, and Dracula. Mm-hmm. So it's all movies that surround um, some sort of psychopath or some sort of killer. Uh, that kills people. <laughs> and usually uh, there's some sort of detective investigation going on or someone trying to, like, usurp this killer. But we're always rooting for the killer, except for maybe in the case of Seven. Um, so, yeah. So we'll jump straight into it. Most of these movies were made before 2000, the ones that we really think of as classy killers, and I think the ones that Luke and I immediately thought of when we um, were making this classification were Silence of the Lambs and American Psycho, and to a certain extent, Seven. Um, And those were all made around the same time, so I think that's sort of what we were thinking of, uh, more that sort of dark cinematography, that uh, very uh, smooth-talking, smart guy as the killer... And then uh, Dracula and the Perfect Host were thrown in there because we needed two more movies. (laughs) Yeah, we've noticed that in the past weeks that Wednesday turned out to be the day of uh, movies that didn't really fit. And that's why we put Perfect Host on Wednesday. Turns out there's no murderer in the Perfect Host, but it fits better in our week than Seven does. Yeah, yeah, that's... I mean, I... So little disclaimer, I haven't seen The Perfect Host. I've seen the rest of the movies. I've only read the Wikipedia article of The Perfect Host. But based on that, it definitely does seem to fit that category a lot more. Especially, the the story, from what I gathered, sort of reads out like what you would expect an evening with Hannibal Lecter right before you were prepared to be his meal would be. Um, Except that this guy doesn't actually kill them. So, I don't know if The Perfect Host is a little bit less known... But the whole thing is that the killer, his name is Warwick, is just imagining everything that he's doing and doesn't actually do anything. So he like does capture people and takes pictures of a supposed dinner party, but never actually throws the dinner party and never brings guests. He never even actually kills the people that are in his apartment. He just does movie makeup. Yeah, yeah. The people he kidnaps, he does movie makeup too. But he actually believes that those other people are there. He believes that he's throwing a dinner party as far as the movie lets on. Okay. Uh, it, 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 even towards the end, this movie just changes so many times. There's so many different storylines to this movie. It, it's really messy. But the explanation of him is that his day job is lieutenant of the police. What a coincidence that the, the thief that all the, the police station's looking for comes to the door of the lieutenant of the police. But... After his wild evening of crazy partying, he sits down on the couch with his four closest hallucinations. 
<laughs> and he sits there with a pill bottle in his hand. He takes one, and one of his hallucinations informs him that he needs to take two for his daily dose oh, no. so that he can function properly at work. Uh, because otherwise he'd be seeing his hallucinations. So these are people that he sees regularly. These, these, And he... Which means he knowed it, he knows that they're hallucinations, and he just chooses not to take these drugs so that he can have evenings of enjoyment with his imaginary friends. I can respect that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a brave man. <laughs> a brave, psychotic killer of a man. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess not killer. Quasi-killer. <laughs> quasi-killer. But that, that takes some balls. Yeah, I, I wish you did see this one, because what I find interesting about it is him not killing them and i'm curious at least we only see we we only see one former victim and we see the one he currently has captured Mm -hmm. we don't know how many others there have been um i'm still not even positive if one of the imaginary people was the last victim he makes a comment of to to one of the imaginary people that uh, like, he's never looked better while he's looking at the photo album his, of his oh, former people. Okay. But the guy in the picture looks nothing like the guy sitting at the dinner table, except okay. they have darker skin. That's all. Okay. Uh, so I'm not sure. But, so I'm not sure if his hallucinations are collections of people that he wished he was close to, um, or if they're just self-generated hallucinations. And I'm not sure why he has this desire to pretend to kill people. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I sort of wonder if it's has something to do with, like, the fact that he's a law enforcement, or he's a detective, he mm-hmm. is involved with law enforcement. Um, maybe it's some sort of, like, very twisted thing inside of him that's very confused, maybe, like, so he is this law enforcement agent, so he should be good, he should be the one going against these... The type of people that kill, but at the same time he has these like psychotic tendencies, mm-hmm. so he sort of has like ruminated on that so much that he he's made himself crazy, mm-hmm. and now pretends he's doing these things because he wants to like satisfy his like blood desires, yeah. but at the same time his like sense of right or like of whatever the law says is correct is making him hold back yeah yeah i'm i'm curious because i feel like i've seen other storylines of people who have like a strong desire to do one thing often with criminal intent yeah will then be put into law enforcement positions in in, in stories but i can't think of any i feel like i've seen them but i can't yeah. think of any of them well, even even Brad Pitt in Seven might be kind of like that. He doesn't have psychotic or, like, the need for blood, but he is, like, this very emotional guy who defines himself as a detective because it's the only way that he can, like, express these... Like, this that anger that he has within him. And um, he, like, adheres very strongly to, like, the ideas of, like, wrong and right and what it means to be a detective because otherwise he might let himself go and become like this really angry guy who just like kills people or does stuff i don't know if he's like actually a killer but just maybe he's like redirecting his anger Mm -hmm. into doing good and uh 
could be similar. Definitely not the same because I think in the end Brad Pitt's character is a really good guy, but yeah. not and not like yeah. someone that wants to kill. But it's that same sort of idea of there's a lot of emotion pent up and they're trying to redirect it to something good and maybe the guy in seven I mean in um the perfect host is just unable to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> Oh, that movie. I don't know if I liked it or uh, I'm extremely bothered by it because there were parts like he does actually cook the meal. Yeah. And when the guy who wake, wakes up and he's tied to the chair looks out on this empty table across from, uh, I don't remember any other names. Who's, who's the one who plays the detective? Uh, well, the character's name is Warwick. Okay, Warwick. It's the guy from um, Frasier. Right. Uh, well, Warwick, the the faux killer, is sitting across from him with a plate of food, and every t- table spot has a plate of food, and he would eat some of his meal, and then he would go around to the other ta- plates and eat their food as well, so that those people were also eating their meals. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it was... It was a lot of fun, and the concept was really interesting, and I think I read that it was a short originally, which sounds like it would be great. Yeah. But it just falls apart. So you mentioned Seven, and we were discussing how Seven didn't end up fitting exactly. And I think one big way that Seven doesn't fit, aside from the fact that it doesn't focus on the psycho, right. is really what classifies the psycho. So I'd like to talk to you, since you've seen mo- the other films as well, is what what is it that is defining that character? What are the similarities of those characters? Because I'm seeing this general massive ego in everyone. Yeah. <sighs> um, so when thinking about like the actual killers I act, is actually where I think Seven does fit in very well with these other movies. Um, and I think what distinguishes it in the end is its focus on the detectives instead of the killer. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yeah, there is like the big ego, which I think the guy in Seven does, even though he claims it's not in a personal thing, it's still like a very strong sense of like what I am doing is what I need to be doing. And what I'm doing is right. Mm-hmm. Although, he's he more strongly believes that what he is doing is like morally correct for society, whereas I would say that maybe Hannibal and um, Patrick Bateman know that what they're doing is wrong, but they love it so much they aren't going to stop. Yeah. Um, but the whole like sense of embracement and the very methodical killing, very thought out, very well planned. Um, very smart, so they're not going to be caught. I mean, they all kind of do get caught, except yeah. for Patrick Bateman. Um, but for the, they they get away with a lot before they start even coming under suspicion. Mm. Then there's that whole like smooth talking, uh, very confident with themselves, not afraid of law enforcement, even when they're like standing right in front of them. And maybe internally they might be afraid, but they definitely don't show it. Hannibal's heart rate doesn't go above 85 as he bites out the tongue of the nurse tending him. Yeah, they they have no reaction to the horrors that they have committed. Every time that they do something terrifying, where some in some movies 
someone will do something terrible and then they'll look upon what they did in terror and like, who am I? But these people look on what they've done and feel satisfied. And they're like, this is exactly what I need to be doing. So that's where I think Seven fits in pretty well with Hannibal and Patrick Bateman. Though there is something different in that he's not doing it for himself. He's doing it for like the greater good or for like God. So I think that would be a pretty distinguishing feature yeah yeah that's what i was surprised by um he was the others had delusions of grandeur especially in the the perfect host where he thought himself this uh social superior where everyone wanted to be with him and there's bateman who um what i'm getting at is that all as you said everyone is doing it to sustain themselves it's something that they need Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to see that in four out of the five classic killers. In all of the classic killers that focused on the killer, the character was always a murderer because he needed the murder. Yeah, He needed that to feed something inside of him. And Seven was the only one that we didn't get that. And I was wondering if there was a distinction in that, if... if <laughs> If classic killers that focus on classic killers do that with that type of character, and can it not be done with the other one? No, I think that there is an interesting part in Seven where, when they're driving, that uh, Brad Pitt's character asks the killer um, why he thinks he's doing God's work, like he gets so much enjoyment out of it. Yeah. And I think that's pretty important. So there is this... Uh, and the guy even admits that he does take enjoyment out of it. So yeah. there is, like, this idea of the something bigger than himself with that specific killer. But I think there's enough personal enjoyment in the crimes that he's committing and enough of like, him being great because he's doing these things for God. Mm-hmm. I think there is enough of that that I still think of him as that type of killer. But... Yeah, it isn't so much satisfying his need. I don't think that's a huge distinction. Like, I would think Dracula doesn't fit in with these a little bit more because he's, like, a vampire and not human. So, like, his need comes from something very different than, like, the needs that the humans have because, it you know, it's coming from being a completely different animal than these other people. Uh, although it is much more of a personal need in the sense of grandeur on his own. But I I, I would think of the killer in Seven as being more like Hannibal and uh, Patrick Bateman and I guess the perfect host than maybe Dracula. Yeah, I guess when your killer's main method of killing requires this massive strategy that's been planned out for over a year his side of the story might be less interesting than figuring out the mystery of who is setting up all of this, where you have Hannibal. Well, we started with Silence of the Lamb, so we don't... Everyone already knows that Hannibal's already the killer. Right. Yeah, and the thing is, it's it's also... When we're thinking of Hannibal, we're thinking of sort of the entire series, but I think it is important to say that, like, Silence of the Lambs... Hannibal is very deeply explored, and he is a very part, a bit large part of the movie, mm-hmm. But ultimately, the movie is not about him. True. So, but he definitely is much more explored than, like, Kevin Spacey is in Seven. And 
may not maybe not as much as Patrick Bateman in Psych in American Psycho because <laughs> you know Patrick Bateman's really the only real character in that movie. Oh, American Psycho. It is so good. Luke freaked out about the business cards almost as much as Patrick Bateman did. That business card scene is just spot on realistic. <laughs> uh, people don't seem to understand how yeah. how accurate that scene is. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Nothing about it is ridiculous. <laughs> Well, the whole point of it is, is that it's ridiculous. Absolutely not. Okay. Business cards are very important. I agree, but it's ridiculous that they are that important. The entire movie is a mock of society, right? I mean, in Japan, even the introduction of a business card is given as though it's a gift. Yes, but that's Japan. We're talking about American Psycho Luke. <laughs> <laughs> And in America, they're just as significant. They tell people a lot about your character. That's why I use one with Only... a personal signature. Oh, God. Hand done in the center, underlined in purple, my favorite color, <laughs> deep purple. You're sounding like Patrick Bateman. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> I'm having trouble finding the right cardstock, but... Right. See, the thing is, I don't think you're joking. <laughs> I'm not. My friend and I have spent hours I, on our business cards. I can imagine. I spent it's... a day in FedEx cutting up my business cards because I needed them perfectly for that night when I was going to an alumni. Oh, my goodness, I need them for tomorrow. I need to update my Please. business cards. Yeah. Well, are you going to write Living the Real Life in there? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How am I going to change this? Ah, oh, now that I'm in a creative field, I need something a bit more... Yeah. yeah, so my plan for business cards is to get baseball cards and just scribble my name on the back. That's creative, right? So maybe you can do that with, like, Sailor Moon cards. Pokemon cards. Yeah, Sailor Moon is so much better. <laughs> because I thought of it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I have a lot ooh, of Pokemon. Ooh, do all Squirtles. Just be like, this is the Pokemon I most identify with. I love Squirtle. Yeah. He's such a good Pokemon. That would be your Pokemon. Squirtle is my starter. Okay, cool. Okay. Deep in my heart. Now we've sidetracked. Let's go back. Um, we were talking about the next Pokemon movie? Was right, it? no. Yes, it's now featuring Hannibal Lecter as uh, the main trainer. He uses Pikachu to cook his meals. <laughs> That's silly. Pikachu's electric. His first... Yeah, yeah, you can cook with electricity. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be so much harder. And so much tastier. Um, also, <laughs> the, his first meal is going to be Ash Ketchum. And he's going to be like, Ash Ketchum. More like, more ketchup. <clears throat> Anyway, <laughs> oh god, that was it was gonna work out better, and then I changed that joke. So, um, let's talk about how great Dracula was and how much we loved watching that movie. I that was the first movie I was able to watch in two, no, one and a half time, and I've seen a lot of like old silent films. So technically, I mean, I should be able to watch this. It was so slow. <laughs> No. Like, needlessly slow. I watched it at regular speed, as a good film viewer should. I agree that is what a good film viewer should do. I failed myself. 
<laughs> because it's the only way you can truly appreciate the pacing of the movie. That's true. <laughs> Should we continue talking about this and not explain while we're talking about this? We've had this argument before. I really enjoy watching television shows and movies that I'm not analyzing for this at one and a half to two times speed. It's just so much more efficient. Yeah, but efficiency can ruin art. Or it can make it better. No. <laughs> Look at the efficient line of Apple products. Each Apple computer yeah. is pretty much a piece of art. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that efficiency, only the top 1% would be able to afford it. Only the top fraction of 1% would be able to afford it. That's different. That's business and technology. That, that's efficiency yeah, of art. But that doesn't mean that the artists using it do not necessarily spend less time on their Photoshop documents than if they would if they hadn't had the super nice computer. Ugh. The benefit of Photoshop and other programs like that are that it makes that yeah, but process easier and faster. That's creation, not appreciation. Do you think oh, looking... I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However... With filmmaking, if you watch an action scene at one and a half times, it's so much more exciting. No, it's not. So, slow action scenes can be, not like slow, but like very methodically shot action scenes can be very good. Like, think of an action scene like Michael Bay's, where the camera's shaking, everything's being cut super fast, and you just get dizzy watching it. And then think of an action scene like... Well, they don't make these very much. But think of, like, a very well-planned-out action scene. <laughs> I don't know, something like... They do... Uh, I can't think of a specific example. I'd like to address this by also pointing out that the things that I watch at one and a half speed are usually things like the new Batman cartoon on Cartoon Network. <laughs> And, like, Carnival, the HBO show that is you 50 minutes long and could be told in 20 minutes. HBO, you can't watch it, you can watch cartoons in one and a half speed, but not, like, an HBO series. Carnival, I would not have made it to episode 5 if I wasn't watching it at two times the speed. Okay, that's fair. I understand that. That's okay. You can watch it at one and a half speed. I was actually watching that at twice the okay, speed. Okay, you can watch it at twice the speed. <laughs> I don't like doing it, but I can understand watching things, especially like cartoons made for children, like yeah. that are slower because they're made for kids to be able to understand. Yeah, yeah. The the dialogue of those become far much more amusing when they're yeah sped up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's far snappier. It sounds like they're being they're much smarter. <laughs> <laughs> like they're thinking of them on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. And, uh, it's why I loved watching Gilmore Girls, because at regular speed, they were talking at two <laughs> times speed. Yeah, I want to watch Gilmore Girls. It's a good show. Yeah. It's probably my favorite show before Doctor Who. You haven't... You've seen Buffy, though. So I've that's an Buffy. incorrect statement. <laughs> Which is, it's fine, you don't have to think Buffy's the best show ever. But it is. Buffy does not have a leading character named Luke in it, or, well, a strong that's, supporting character named Luke in it. <laughs> that's true. That is a strong... Is there a strong supporting character named Luke in Gilmore Girls? Yeah, Luke, who owns Luke's diner and I is mean, in love interest. 
for uh, every season classic until he Luke. finally <laughs> is proposed to. Because he was originally rejected by when he proposed. Oh, Patrick Bateman should have been called Luke Bateman. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Is that because you're saying I'm egotistical? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it's okay. Like just because our routines are similar in the morning does not mean... <laughs> are they? Well, there's the morning exercise, and then there's the shave and the moisturizer. I don't do the skin mask. Okay. <laughs> that did look really interesting. I'm starting to peel from a sunburn. I think I could have used a little more protection up there. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not like his at all. <laughs> I don't have that level of self-control. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, I know. Um, I'm sorry I keep on comparing you to Patrick Bateman. You're not actually like <laughs> I wish I had his body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I mean, that's like a whole other thing about him. I guess it's not, because it's part of his self-control. Yeah. And like obsession with society, or fitting in. Yeah. Oh, that's one thing that I loved about that movie, is that Patrick Bateman never denies who he is to people around him. Hmm. Like, he never acts very differently to like try to fit in. The way that he behaves when he's, when, when he's killing is pretty much the same as he behaves normally. Like, my favorite part, maybe not my favorite part of the movie, but one of my favorite lines in the movie is when him and Evelyn are in the back of the taxi, and she keeps talking to him, and um, I remember what she asks, but she asks, like, oh, why do you stay at that stupid job anyway? You hate it. And then he, like, takes off his headphones, looks over, and just, like, very carefully says, because I want to fit in. Yeah. Like, that is the yeah. most honest sentence he says in that entire movie and like basically sums up his entire character mm -hmm. it was i thought that was really cool yeah his, his character is fascinating i agree with that that's a super interesting fact and it actually makes me wonder like, his obsession with music like, he he mentions that he never feels but i'm wondering does music give him feeling does it stir something inside of him does yeah. that lead to his obsession with it or is it more of a desire to understand people and sense people are obsessed with music and it's and music usually reflects the time or and the societies right. that he studies it more specifically bad music well he doesn't listen i don't know if you listen to the songs that were in that movie some of them are good it might have been because I was falling asleep through the most of that movie with the first time we watched it. He said the greatest love of all was life-changing. Yeah. The greatest love of all should not be a life-changing song. <laughs> you should not identify with that song that strongly. It is a sad song. I mean, you it's had a sad to like life. No, it is supposed to be a happy song, but it's kind of sad. Anyway, some of these songs were great, like Huey Louie and News and... Um, they had Wow. I don't want to feel good. That's a good song. Hey! Yeah. Katrina and the Waves. That's who they are. It did there was good music, but there was also a lot of bad music that he listened to. Um his manic obsession with it whenever he would describe it, it was yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that was really cool and impressive. Wish I could talk about movies like that. Or music. Well, if someone writes your life, I'm sure it would be easier. <laughs> That's true. 
Um, yeah, that was, I don't, I, I was wondering the same thing. I don't know if it's like his, it seems like it's more than just his obsession to, with fitting in. Partially because none of the other characters seem to care about music. Um, and since he usually does what other characters seem to care about, yeah. that one seems a little bit off. It could be a more broader thing, like, this is what is in popular culture, so he likes it. And it could show, like, he's not just obsessed with fitting in with, like, the banker or Wall Street guys, but also with just the world. Um, it is very confusing. I mean, it definitely makes him a lot more of a popular and fun character to follow. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. It is a weird thing that works out very well for the movie, but is sort of difficult to understand where it stems from. It might also be somewhat of an escape, since, uh, you know, he hates the world that he's in, and he does sort of seem content only when he's listening to music, so I guess that's some sort of emotion. It is tough. I'm getting so hot. Yes, it's very warm in here. And my computer's heating up. I just realized the fan's going, which is definitely going to make this audio sound wonderful. Ooh. It's okay. It's 30 minutes in. Who listens this far? Who listens at all? Hello, if you listen. Hello, little girl. Okay. <laughs> that's all I know of Into the Woods. That's, that's every lyric that I know about that show. <laughs> I know none of them, so you know more than me. <laughs> okay, we're almost done. I want to say one more thing. Um, what I thought was really interesting about these specific movies, and it might be that most of them were made in the 90s, so that's why this happened, um, but a lot of them had very good actors. These, for the most part, were very well-made movies. I think The Perfect Host was probably the worst one of them all. Like, um, Dracula... Bela Lugosi, probably one of the most popular actors of his time, especially for roles for Dracula. You know, he he's very good at playing like that sort of psychotic, multi-layered character. Um, Kevin Spacey, Brad Pitt, and Morgan Freeman are in Seven, all fantastic actors that were already popular in 1995. I could. What is that noise? Just, just ignore it. It's that were already popular in 1995, but definitely, you know, sort of skyrocketed afterwards. Um, American Psycho, Christian Bale. This was the movie that brought him to everybody's attention. Um, Science of the Lambs, both, I mean, Jodie Foster had been act well, they'd both been acting for a long time, but this definitely, I think it was Jodie Foster's first Oscar win. Um, the movie won an Oscar. It was like a very well-received movie. Yeah. And the performances were both stellar. Um, the Perfect Toast, I haven't seen. From what I read, it wasn't that great. Yeah, no. But it did have a very popular... I mean, an actor who had been in a noticeable. series. <laughs> yeah. And he's he does fairly well on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all actors... I, I guess it's the nature of the projects. Um because a lot of the other movies that we've been watching have either been sort of cheap horror films or sort of children movies. So it's hard to get, like, 
legitimately good actors for these because either they're way above their budget or they're new or they're a kid actor, so they all kind of suck. Now, during Childhood Adventure Week, we had some fairly well-known actors. It's true, but... Before they did any real acting. Well, yeah. I mean, there's like Sean Astin, who's Will a great actor Wheaton? now. Will Wheaton, who is popular now. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no one I want in a movie more than a guy who's going to be a blogger in 20 years. Yeah. Vlogger, Luke. Vlogger. Is he vlogging now? Yeah, he vlog. He, well, he does tabletop. Yeah. Does that count as a vlog? That's that's it's a legitimate Witch series. Whatever. <laughs> that is that is a reality TV show. That's like a talk show. That's true. It is more like a talk show. Um, yeah, but these, some of these, like you know, Kirsten Bale breakout role. Yeah. I guess it's something. Just the nature of these movies have a lot more multi-layered characters, um, that. And are also sort of more serious dramas. Rosie O'Donnell was in the Childhood Adventure that is, Week. That is true. You're right. I forgot about that. Close my argument down. I'm just talking about, like, the percentage of successful actors among all of the other, like, lead actors in these movies is so much higher in uh, this category. Yeah, yeah. There are very good actors in the other categories, but the amount is just so much bigger. I and don't know if I would say Will Wheaton and Rosie O'Donnell. Are you, oh my God, Anne's getting upset. She's like, she's, what? Anne's. I think I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm bothering her. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm just playing with this thing. No. no, no. What thing? Your charger. <laughs> um. There are some good actors in those movies. I can only think of Sean Astin right now. But he was Mikey in the Goonies. He's um, Sam Wise Gamgee. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I, no, he's had good roles. What are the other actors? The Wednesday from The Addams Family. That was still injured as a child. Um, none of the horror movie ones were really popular. I don't even remember what we watched for the horror movies. Yeah. They didn't get popular. I guess the girl in um, the girl in the Spanish movie is pretty well known, but only for those movies, yeah. for in Wreck. Um, the Blair Witch Kids never really made it. No, didn't one go on to start growing pot? I don't know. Um, what else did we watch that week? I guess yeah, the Paranormal Activity Kids. I guess the girl kept on making those movies. And there's a last exorcism. Yeah, the the guy was looked familiar. I've seen him in other things. He's actually somewhat popular. He's gonna be in he was in um The Conjuring, right? You know. Is that a different I think guy? So. There's a different guy. I don't know. The, the one in The Conjuring is really good though. Yeah, the one in Last Exorcism looked familiar and I looked him up and I think it's just that He's had tons of not significant roles in a oh. lot of shows going back for the past 20, 25 years. Okay. So we probably stumbled across him playing a side character multiple times. Yeah. Speaking of, the guy in The Perfect Host has been on Buffy. So he's a good actor. And Frasier. <laughs> no, no, the other Oh, the actor. other guy. Yeah. The thief. The young guy, yeah. He was probably like some teenager in one of the early seasons of Buffy. Yeah. 
So he's a great A actor as well. I, I believe it. Yeah. Everyone that acted in Buffy is a great A actor. Absolutely. Have you seen... Who's Buffy? Sarah Michelle Gellar? Is that her name? Yeah. Have you seen her in Robin Williams' show? Oh. Or better yet, Ringer. <laughs> I've not seen her in Ringer. <laughs> great. Or the Scooby-Doo movie. That's legitimately a good movie. Ah. <clears throat> uh, so... <laughs> This week was Classic Killers. Yes. And we watched a lot of movies about Classic Killers. Yes. We've noticed that Classic Killers have massive egos. Yes. They're serial killers. Yes. They don't act just from passion. It's all... It's very methodic and well thought out. Mm -hmm. And they definitely have a plan going in. But these aren't like Dr. Evil type characters. Because these guys are smart. They're smooth, tight ends. And they also... That's probably going to sound really weird on the computer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. They and they also... also choose their victims very carefully. Um, in Silence of the Lambs. Yes. And they also choose, and they also choose their victims very carefully. So, um, in Sons of the Lambs*, they definitely don't get into it as much as in the other Hannibal movies. But Hannibal is also very selective about his who he's killing, and it's like he kills the person that messed up at the orchestra, um, because he doesn't like imperfections and stuff like that. And Patrick Bateman kills people who are spiting him or who represent exactly what he hates about the world. Mm -hmm. Or what he's trying to emulate. Silent, I mean, even the perfect host, he seems to take very much care into who he's killing. Or, like, how he's doing it. Yeah, I think so. It's really hard to figure out. They're really unclear on that movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it. And then Seven... Oh, God, they all do it. Seven, it, obviously, they have to follow, fit the seven sins, and they have to be sort of like the epitome of one of the seven deadly sins. Yeah. And Dracula, it's who he's attracted to. <laughs> yeah, Dracula's less selective. Yeah. He just kind of kills who he sees. Yeah. Leaves the bodies laying around. Yeah, what's quickly. up with that guy? <laughs> And he's... Like, he just goes into the home of the woman he's trying to seduce. And like, hey guys, no, nothing's, nothing's wrong here. Don't worry about it. I'm not doing anything sneaky to your, your girl. Yeah. Nothing's happening. What are you talking about? These eyes that I'm giving her right now completely ignore that. And they do. They, yeah. they, they No one takes notice except for Dr. Van Helsing. Yeah, I don't understand a lot of Dracula. <laughs> and then Dr. Van Helsing comes in like, mm, there's two bites on the next. This yeah. is a vampire. Vampires aren't real. Yes, they are. Okay, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Dracula's the vampire. Is he? He is. Watch. Dracula, you're the vampire. You got me. <laughs> yeah. That's basically the entire movie. That is the Very movie. Accurate. We should yeah. reshoot it. We should. 
just with you saying that. <laughs> It'll be so much shorter. Yeah. People will actually be able to watch it. They'll probably still watch it in one and a half time, though. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to sound so much smarter if they do. That's true. Goodbye. Wait, 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 Okay, never mind. Okay, so we talked about the similarity, we just talked about the similarities between them, but what do we need to write a classy killer film? Well, we said all of the characteristics that the classy killer has to have. Mm. There has to be some sort of strappy detective who is very eager to hunt the killer down. Mm -hmm. Although the American Psycho one wasn't too strappy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but some sort of de detective interference. Some of them can choose to focus more on the detective, and I think those were the more interesting ones, where like the killer is very much explored, but there's also a lot of the detective... Basically, I'm just saying I like Silence at the Lambs a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I do too. I, I wanted to make this week just because I wanted to watch a Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and just Clarice Starling is such a cool character. Yeah, she is. She was just like, God damn it. It's amazing. This week, four of the five movies have television adaptations. You're right. American Psycho's coming out. Dracula just happened on NBC. I don't know if there was a second season for that. And Hannibal just finished their second season. Seven doesn't have one. Three out of five. Oh, I think you said four out of the five. Did I? If I did, I'm sorry. Three okay. out of five. Wow. Yeah, that's a... That's a Seven should have one. No. I... We should have the planning of the murders. No. His calling by God. Hmm. What happened to the before he came to this detective force? Yeah, that would be why Morgan Freeman so that would grumpy. Be better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that's another thing. I just was reminded of something. The locations, or how they treat locations, is very interesting in these movies. So in um, American Psycho. The idea of New York is very important, and like where they are in New York at every time, every time of the day is very important. Like, oh, you're going uptown, or like, oh, his apartment looks over the park; it's so much more expensive than mine. And like, the city is very much a f part of the movie. Um, uh, Silence of the Lambs, to an extent, I guess that one they talk about it a lot more, just to get like the they try to be very legitimate in their like detective procedurals. So it's a little bit more explainable that they would be, or expected that they would, be, they would be talking about, like, oh, just up the river in South Virginia, this location, and stuff like that. But Seven was really interesting. They kept on referencing, like, this city and, like, this place, and it's so dark here and so terrible. And they keep on saying how, like, it's such a terrible place, but it's so isolated and dark. Like, that constant rain and that grim like just setting mm -hmm. just makes it feel like its own little world um, it's almost like mystical yeah so it's it i thought that was it was very interesting how the different movies took very different approaches to location uh, i guess depending on like who the killer was i guess like patrick bateman was very concerned about image so new york city is very important to mm -hmm. like the banker's image yeah then there's like and wealth, constantly, like everything in, in New York, it's it's about wealth. And yeah. Like he, he says that's pretty much the only thing that really he cares about. It's greed and killing. Yeah. But the only two emotions he feels are greed and disgust. Yeah. 
That was a good line, too. Yeah, that <laughs> and you said you can't remember lines. Well, I just watched this like two minutes ago. I did, too. I don't remember these lines. <laughs> I hate my memory. I can't do specific, I can't say like specific quotes, though. I also remember things in black and white. How messed up is that? You remember things in black and white? Yeah. That's a whole other conversation we have to have later. Okay. Because <laughs> it's going to take more than the five minutes we have to wrap this mm-hmm. up. <laughs> Not fair. Um, I can see why you don't care about cinematography anymore. <laughs> what are you saying? I see things in color. I mean, visually I see things in color. I just don't remember them in color. Just think of things... Wait, let's talk about this later. Um, wait, okay. <laughs> Next podcast. We'll yeah. Time. Unless you want to tell the world about your inability to remember in color. We just did. Okay, wait, so you see, but, like, explain how it works. Yeah. So you see things in color. Do you think of things color. in color? Like, if I, if, you were, if I were to tell you, like, imagine this scene, would you automatically think of it in black and white or in color? I would think of it in black and white, and then i have to color it in. Okay, so if I tell you think of my living room, do you think of it in black and white or in color? Brown. What? <laughs> you have a very wood living room. That's true. Oh man, think of my house. <laughs> it's just like very dark brown. Um, oh wait, what living room were you thinking of? The one with the couches? The one in the house or in the apartment? Oh, your house. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I would think of brown too. My vision, uh, when I was really young, everything would be black, in black and white when I would when I would recall scenes from my past. Now, the further back it goes, the more black and white it is. But if it was very recent, it's not quite as bad. And some of my memories come back in mostly black and white, except only with certain things in color. You're like an Instagram picture. <laughs> it's really no. It's it's like sometimes like you know those movies like Sin City the way they do it. Some of my memories are like that. Okay, wow, that's really interesting. You're the true colorblind of this country. What? I don't know. That no. That, that sounds. That's really cool. So now you like put an effort into thinking in color. I try to, because, yeah. I mean, I have a terrible memory to begin with, so I generally try to remember things when I can. And I prefer to remember things accurately. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. So if you listen this far, you just got to learn about that. There's going to be a Radio Lab episode about it soon. There should be. You should submit to Radio Lab. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's, um... It's a channel, I mean, a, a podcast radio show uh, run by PBS, and it's about science, or it's a science podcast, and they talk a lot about sort of anomalies and sort of weird things that happen to people. Hear that, PBS? We just supported you. You should support us. Put in a word for us. They're non Send people to live in the real life. <laughs> What's wrong with that? They can still okay, support us. Okay, send us people. people. <laughs> We're not asking for money, just people. Yeah. <laughs> I need friends. 